when I was a teenager, I had a friend who dared me to call 1-800-TAMPAX and ask oh, them yeah. what toxic shock syndrome was. And I did, and I got really involved in the conversation, and it was like an hour long, and she was lovely and very Aww. helpful, and this prank call turned into like a very informative conversation. That's really sweet. We finally have a cold open. <laughs> You're welcome. One eight hundred Tampax. not good fine I mean, is it, I, would, I mean I think the question should be is it good <laughs> it is it is I, I you know Disney plus does pretty well with these shows but this one was fine and not good I would say they, they, it panders a little too much to the kids whereas the other shows are good for kids but the adults can also enjoy them this one felt a little more pandery well, the weird thing is that this is not a property that would feel naturally like, like kid, like Mighty Ducks. You get why kids would be into it because right. it's still, even though even if they don't know the original, it's still like youth hockey. So there are still kids, but like, this is a cop show that just happens to have a dog. Yeah, and yeah, there's a lot of pratfalls, and there's a lot. It, McGee directed the pilot, so there's a lot of really expensive special effects don't, that don't really fit hmm. in the tone. What was the also, other... Oh, no, I was, I was trying to remember. I thought I saw something from McG recently, but then I just realized I think it was The Babysitter, that, like, horror oh, movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. That guy just kind of... Uh, well, Dustin, here's career. a question about, about Turner and Hooch. Uh, did they... How did they explain what happened to Tom Hanks? You know... Um, and I'm, I can't quite tell, I don't remember the Tom Hanks movie that well. I, I did see it, but it's been, what, 20, 30 years, however mm-hmm. long it's been. Um, the dad died. Okay. And, um, leaves a dog to his son. Right. Uh, who is also Hooch. And... He leaves a note behind and says, you know, I found everything I found in my life because of this dog. And I was really hoping that it was going to be Tom Hanks' voice, but no, it was Josh Peck reading it. Mm-hmm. So um, I assume that was his dad, and this is not like a like a completely different, like a reboot that's not... Right, so Josh Peck is supposed to be Tom Hanks' son. Oh, is he? Right, isn't he? Well... well they don't make it clear. They don't make it clear. Oh, I just assumed that he was supposed to be his son because he's still Turner. That's probably what it is, but I'm... Or his dad could have just been a cop who had a dog. And they couldn't... <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it couldn't possibly be the same dog. Well, it's not the same No, hooch, it's not the same I, dog. I'm yeah. Sure. This is a new hooch. But I mean, that's... But like, if it's... You're going to bequeath this dog, it has to be the dog's, like... Offspring, well, that, right? Well, that was the. Well, it's not the offspring. 
the dog was new to the dad when he died. And he oh. left it to his son. And his son did not want the dog and mm -hmm. resisted having the dog. And was like, no, 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 until the dog helped him solve uh, a case. And All right, let's see. Like his favorite uh, dog. Josh Peck is a button-down and ambitious U.S. Marshal, the son of the late Detective Scott Turner. Oh, he is the son. Yeah, so he okay. is the son. This is according to Wikipedia. Uh, and where's the lineage on Hooch, please? Yeah, Internet. I don't... Um, doesn't say. No credit for who plays Hooch. So, yeah. Well, um, no, but I mean, you can't... So Dad just kept getting the same dog. Yeah. <laughs> and then being like everything I had I owe to this dog it's like no you didn't you owed it to the dog you had like 30 years ago well the, no, no, yeah, the, yeah, yeah that's what the note was about the dog that he had before the oh. appearance like, and manners apparently are uh, remarkably similar to the original Hooch yeah that's mm, so. a breed thing <laughs> do they not know how dogs work oh Matt Nix wrote this uh, the creator of uh, of uh, what's it called um it um, sounds familiar. What? No, the, the uh, uh, Miami spies, you know, when you're a spy. Oh, burn notice? Burn notice. Oh. <laughs> Miami spies. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That, it's, 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 it's burn notice level entertainment. All right. Although more kid friendly. So kid friendly burn notice. <laughs> Got it. I guess is, so. is what I'm hearing. Not enough Bruce Campbell? Right, yeah, that was the reason why I watched Burn Notice for so long. Jesus Christ, I watched that show for like five seasons. So let's see, who would be the who would be the who would be the Bruce Campbell in this show? Is it uh, Lindsay Fonseca? No, that's the mom. That's the sister. Oh, the uh, sister. Oh, she's she's cute. Vanessa uh, Lenji, Lenji's? Lenji's. Is she Jessica? She's Erica. Jessica is Kara Patterson. She might be because she's like yeah, she's probably the. Oh, she's like the witty, wisecracking one? Yes. Okay. She's actually pretty fun. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, if you got kids, my, my kids were not that engaged either. They're like, eh, this is okay. Can we watch High School Musical again, Dad? <laughs> <laughs> Those traitors are supposed to be requesting DuckTales. No, no, I know. We're, we, it's, it's happening probably this week. Oh. You know, I talked to Lainey, and she also is a fan of DuckTales. Is she? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, she told me. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm actually, I'm, no, I'm not lying. So she actually explained to me, like, how she started watching Harley Quinn. Um, and it, it was, and then, uh, but apparently after they watched that, like, once she got hooked on it, and she was like, oh, I actually like this cartoon, he then made her watch DuckTales. <laughs> And she's like, okay, it's really good. So yeah, Harley Quinn is the gateway drug to DuckTales. Well, I mean, it's, Harley Quinn has worked on me. I mean, fun. I'm just saying, all there's fewer and fewer reasons for you not to make that leap. Is DuckTales filthy as hell? No. Well, I don't know what, what it has in common with Harley Quinn, then. Harley Quinn is enjoyable because you can, like, not watch it. You can just listen to it as though it were a radio show or something. And it's just great because the writing is good and it's funny because it's filthy. Okay, so all of that is true of DuckTales. It's just not filthy. It's just, <laughs> there's more music and 
but but it's still it's still really good writing and you can kind of just listen and the voice acting is great anyway you know what dan's gonna have a hell of a time editing this because we've just basically talked about two shows oh no no that's all just gonna be at the start before i say welcome to Podjiva, the pajama <gasps> television podcast oh i think we need to cut name yeah i'm, I'm gonna cut it well you said it again now i gotta cut it again. i'm gonna cut it it's fine well, i don't think um, stop yeah. saying the name. <laughs> Laney is not Laney's name. That's right. not her real name. But the other name she that also you have said. She another name for him. I'm going to cut it out. Uh, I have them all marked down. Just nobody say it any more times. Do you still have that train horn sound? <laughs> uh, I, don't, I don't know. I might just, well, we'll figure it out. Anyway, that, that'll be omitted so you won't hear the name that we're talking about. Uh, here are our names. Uh, I'm Pajaba Comedy Editor Dan Hamamura. With me, as always, our Pajaba Managing Editor Tori Preston. Hello, Dan. Hello, Tori. And Tom Cruise's tiny ponytail, Dustin Rolls. Hello, Dan. Uh, like Tom Cruise's tiny ponytail, Dustin is also of a certain era and uh, <laughs> was, you know, awkwardly uh, uncomfortable for a couple years. But. Um, yeah, I think that works. Wait, that works. So did, I go ahead, go ahead. No, I was gonna say I meant to look this up. So, so that is a reference to Ted Lasso. Yes. But was the ponytail like when did he film Magnolia and Last Samurai? Were they back to back, or did he have to grow two different ponytails? They're definitely around the same time. Um, I don't know, filming wise, I don't know if they're back to back or not. But but he did have like a long hair phase. So yeah, I, and in, in both movies, he, they, he did have his hair tied back. That's also around whichever Mission Impossible he had his long hair. Um, two oh. or three? I don't know. Um, let's see. Last Samurai was 2003. Uh, Magnolia was 99. Oh, not that close. Okay, so he had to grow two of them because he did not. He had short hair, I believe, in Minority Report, which is in between. Oh, he did, yes. Um, yeah, but wasn't it also gray? No, no, that was, that's that was, uh, uh, a Jamie Foxx movie. Uh, uh, fucking collateral. Yeah. <gasps> oh, yeah. Okay. Um, but anyway, yeah, this is that is uh, that's probably long enough. That and Mission Impossible Two was in between them, and I think that's the one he has long hair. Uh, yeah. But uh, so he Vanilla either Sky, had long hair for four years, or he grew multiple ponytails. He grew long hair multiple times, and then just, but not long enough to have a good ponytail. Just the shitty one. Right, it's just a tiny ponytail, <laughs> which, which he definitely had in, I believe, Magnolia. So he probably had the first one in like Magnolia, Mission Impossible Two, uh, and then Vanilla Sky was his hair short. I don't remember. Um, uh, I want to say it was longish. Yeah. And then I think it was shorter for, for Minority Report, and then it was yes. longer again for Last Samurai. So maybe maybe he filmed that before Minority Report. I don't know. Um, hmm. In any event, yes, he, he did have at least. It's not. It's <laughs> not. Like, it is definitely possible that he could have grown two had too long hair. There's a post on Tom Cruise's hair somewhere now. <laughs> we should do that. Just a history of Tom Cruise's hair. <laughs> <laughs> But I'm only interested in that narrow period of time because the right. rest of the time he just kind of looks like a a, a Ken doll. Like he's well, it's basically aging. Like it's yeah. just a face. He's, he's got he a weirdly like high, wa- high waist, though. Everybody, anybody ever notice that about Tom Cruise? He's got a weird high waist. I don't. 
A weird what? High waist. Uh, I don't really get to... I don't manage to look at him below the mouth, really. Mm-hmm. I kind of... My, my attention just sort of stops there. Because it's always... His, his smile is, is great, but also unsettling. He takes his shirt off occasionally, and it's always like, wow, what? Mm. Got a really short torso. I literally cannot remember anything about his torso. Yeah. I'm sure I've seen a movie where his shirt wasn't on, but I can't think of it. I guess, was it the volleyball scene in... <laughs> Top, top gun? He did that, but he he, he definitely also, has shirtless in that. Recently, in the most recent Mission Impossible, I think he was like, I don't know what is he seventy five and shirtless. Looks He's great. Seventy five, something like that. He's older than Wilford Brimley was in Cocoon. Whatever. <laughs> I don't know if that is that meme true. It is Wilford Brimley. It only because Wilford Brimley was only fifty one in Cocoon. Oh. Right. Well, I think really this is about the aging effects of oatmeal. Right. Yes. Also, people and ladies, they just lived hard. <laughs> <laughs> Not inaccurate. But also, he was he was in his 50s in the 80s. So that means that he was living hard. Well, I mean, also, maybe also in the 80s, but in the 60s and 70s, which also makes sense. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but anyway, yeah. Uh, well, Ted Lasso, we will get there probably. Uh <laughs> <laughs> the rate we're going? <laughs> yeah, or right now, I don't know, whatever. We're just bouncing uh, around. What's, what's everybody drinking today? Um, yeah, Dustin? Well, I want to talk about this. <laughs> okay. Because I have a question. Okay. I, I, I would mention that, uh, um, so, uh, for reasons that aren't entirely, well, that they're not germane, I'm staying in Boston for the next six to eight weeks, and I'm uh, with my daughters. And uh, in Boston, uh, as in all of Massachusetts, you cannot buy beer at the grocery store or the drugstore or anywhere else except a liquor store. Oh, right. So, Real, even beer? Yes, it's crazy. Beer. I totally forgot about that from when I used to live here because when I was in law school, I didn't buy a lot of beer because we just went to bars and we drank a lot there. Oh. But now I... So today, I like I need some beer for tonight. And now it's just me and my daughters, and then you have two choices. You take your daughters into the liquor store, <laughs> or you leave them home alone, so you can go to the liquor store. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's that's some great parenting options. <laughs> I know, right? But I really needed beer. Yeah, no, I mean, obviously, yeah. So yeah. What, did, what did you choose? Um, I left them, yeah. For, it's, you know, it was like 20 minutes. I mean, it's it, Boston. The nearest liquor store had to be like, what, yeah, yeah. two blocks was, away? Like, come on. It was, it was 10 minutes there, 10 minutes back. Okay. It wasn't so bad, but, I, you know, I had a long conversation with them about it. And it's not like I left, haven't left them home. Like, at home, I'll go to the drugstore and leave them home alone, but it's, you know, important. Nobody cares. But here it was a little weird because it was a strange house. But it was fine. They were okay. Please don't call Child Protective Services on me. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> um, so now are you going to make sure that you stock up well in advance when you get a, a chance? Well, you know, I bought two 
four packs. So I guess not. No, I got Allagash, which, oh my God, Boston liquor stores, they're huge. And also they don't have any beer. I mean, beer options. Like none of the beer that I'm used to seeing is there because I, it's Boston and they just have shitty beer. Yeah, but it's going to be all Sam Adams. Yeah. <laughs> I was able to find a an Allagash. So I did get that. And then I got what? Uh, a sour, uh, a smutty nose, raspberry lime sour, which is okay. Smutty nose, is that a thing? Yeah. 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 I'd heard of it before, so. How is, so the raspberry lime is okay? Yeah, it's pretty good. I mean, sours are hard to mess up, although when you do mess up a sour, it's real bad. Oh, it's real bad. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. I just can't believe, yeah, like, I I, I took it for granted. Like, drugstores in Vermont have not just, like, beer sections, but, like, their own separate wine like displays like there's grocery stores have have an entire aisle devoted to wine like yeah yeah i don't get it but yeah they they call them um in boston they don't even call them liquor stores they call them packies right it's because it's a package store and i don't really understand why 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 it's called a package store is that because of like the like you carry that in a brown package brown paper bag kind of thing i don't know i don't know i had only heard that term on uh because if kevin can fuck himself oh packies yeah like i didn't know that term until that show oh i think like six weeks like it was a goodwill hunting thing too maybe i don't know well yeah they're all very massachusetts yeah (laughs) like i'm sure that's been said in all of them you know who know who will explain this to us is js probably (laughs) yes packies a fun word to say. JS does uh, does an excellent job of, of serving as our unofficial researcher. Uh, fact, researcher, yeah. fact, fact, fact yeah. checker. <laughs> Unfortunately, not even that. Just explaining to us all the things that we don't know. Right. <laughs> you you do have to go into the comments of this post in order to find out. No, sometimes JS tweets us. Mm-hmm. Well, that's true. Yes. So follow us on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Tori, what are you drinking? Uh, well, I already finished my cocktail. We had a long pre-pod. Um, mm. I don't know if you guys can tell. Shocking. Uh, <laughs> so I had, but I, I was running low on the maple bourbon, so my cocktail wasn't as robust as it normally would be. Mm-hmm. So it's already gone, so I, I have gone to my backup beer, which is a uh, my usual, my green state lager. Lager. Yeah. At it's just, it's so humid, and I just, yeah. it's cold. That's mm-hmm. all that matters. But I'm, do, I'm doing a dust-in, so I have like the empty glass from my previous cocktail. I've got my can of beer. I've got a can of seltzer. And then I've also, I don't know why I grabbed it, but I've also got a can of my uh, grapefruit soda. So. Listen, you got to stay hydrated. Yeah. Yeah, I do. But I wish I brought the tequila up, but I don't think I should mix the bourbon and the tequila. No, but, no, uh, no, no. Yeah. So we're on beer. <laughs> Sounds good. Uh, as for me, I am drinking. I'm I'm finishing trying to finish up the Sapporo that I had. Um, so it's just because it's just what's in the fridge, and I'm trying to get rid of it. Um, and my my backup uh, liquids are water and Diet Coke. After that, so <laughs> I guess you can't really mix those. I mean the the Diet Coke and the Sapporo. Not at the same time, at least. No. Um. But. Uh, yeah, How long have you had that Sapporo? Oh, not that long. Um, I don't know, a couple of weeks. Oh, okay, that's not bad. 
yeah it's just it's just that's what that's the only thing i have that's cold like like uh, similar to you it's it's humid here and i was like i need something cold yeah um and i don't have i don't know how to make drinks so and i don't like whiskey with ice so uh that kind of limits my options so it's either this or wine and i think i'm out of wine so if you watched uh seth meyer's day drinking it you don't really need to know how to make drinks to make drinks. He was just throwing shit together randomly. Here's tequila and like uh, some Red Bull and a rib. I'm just gonna stick it. <laughs> That's how you end up in a segment where you need professional producers and editors to uh, make sure that you you look good. Still. Yes, yes, I'm uh, sure. Which we don't necessarily have, but no, it's true. Uh, you know what what show does have all of those things uh, is uh, Kung Fu. <laughs> So, it sure does, Dan. So well done, Dan. Tori, Tori's going to talk us through Kung Fu, the latest Kung Fu. Uh, uh, the last Kung Fu until season two, because it was the season one finale. That's right. So I don't I know if you know that. I, I did not, but um, well, there, there were rumors, you know. Then you'll be disappointed to learn that she didn't make the Yeah, she didn't. <laughs> Well, it's okay, though. Um, she saved the wedding in, in some ways. You know, because she... Okay, so <laughs> let's go back. So we've got... Uh, we're at the monastery, and it Jalan shows up. Nikki's already there. Uh, it's the forge. Um, Jalan has all the weapons. And so they're going to, like, have a face-off. And, you know, Nikki's going to, like, stop her from going into the forge and stop her from releasing Bianca and, like, you know, destroying the world or, or whatever. And uh, as they're about ready to, like, throw down, because they, the, basically, um, Nikki is the warrior, but Jalan is, is the guardian, the, like, last remaining guardian. So the two of them, it's, like, they're balanced. They both are necessary to, like, enter the forge and do all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um so as they're ready to like finally throw down, uh, remember that rich kid that she killed? Uh, so his dad, they had like stolen a bunch of the weapons from his dad before she killed him. Oh, right. Yes. right. So she, uh, he sends his goons to knock them out and steal all the weapons. So here's where it gets interesting. Turns out that Nikki and Jalan were not the only things required to unite the weapons and release the powers. There's a third element, which was the uh, descendant of the sorcerers who imbued the green glowy power in them in the first place. So Russell Tan, the, the rich guy, has access to that sorceress. Okay. So he takes the weapons to her and he's like, gonna kill her to like make her like do the glowy power-up thing on them and so Jalan gets there and Nikki gets there and that's when all hell breaks us and uh the sorceress dies the weapons get powered up all of that uh green glowy energy releases but it diverts into both Jalan and Nikki and so then they have these like visions about what their life would be like if they didn't have this power uh, and then they kind of come out of the vision, but Nikki has figured out what she wants to do, and that's choose her own path, so they have a fight, um, and Nikki decides not to keep the power and not to destroy the power. She's going to release it back into nature, which she does through kicking and punching, which is 
you know, incredibly satisfying for obvious reasons. Um, so she kicks and punches Jelan a bunch and there's some like cool flying rope stuff going on. Um, and she beats her and uh, releases all of that in- energy into the wild. Uh, the cops come and arrest Jalan and Nikki and Henry are safe. Although Henry got like an axe to his shoulder and then he's fine. But I was like, yo, do not hurt those shoulders. Like, I think, I feel like we've talked about this. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, so before all that, the wedding is supposed to be happening. And Ryan's got his little binder and Nikki, the binder that Nikki left him. So he's like problem solving and like troubleshooting and everything's going really well. And they're doing the tea ceremony and... Nikki calls because she needs uh, she needs Althea's help finding the sorceress uh, through computer stuff. But she drops a hint because the whole thing, and this is why she saves the wedding, uh, Jalan was holding, basically to get Nikki to comply, she showed that she had like a couple of SUVs full of goons outside of Nikki's house. So they mm-hmm. were like taking pictures, but also had clearly had guns. So if Nikki didn't do what Jalan wanted, she was going to like kill her family. So Nikki is able to like drop hints to her family without Jalan hearing that this was going on. And so Ryan Althea, like figure out what the hints mean, find the cops. They call DA dude, Derek. And he, um, yeah. Yeah, he does his thing and he gets the uh cops to come and arrest them. So then the family is no longer can be held over Nikki's head and they're safe and they go on and have a very lovely wedding. So, everything was resolved and you would be it would be natural to think that that's, you know, just the end of season 1, but we know that there's a season 2 coming. So the bigger deal is how it set how the finale sets all of that up. So, Althea finally, like, explains to Dennis, her, like, hot mathlete boyfriend, uh, husband now, uh, what, why, why Nikki's been such a flake the whole time. So she's, Mm -hmm. I don't, you don't hear the conversation, but it's obviously like, so Nikki's basically a superhero. Um, (laughs) Which I think is going to be cool because I think it'll mean that next season Dennis is going to be, like, more officially integrated into Nikki's kind of, like, Scooby gang. Mm-hmm. Um, rather than Althea kind of having to hide things from him. Not that I feel like they were hiding too much. He, he kind of popped up quite often. Um, Nikki no longer has the powers, although she says that she has feels different since she went through the whole like power up with the green energy. Mm-hmm. So she does, we don't know what that means yet, but... I'm assuming she definitely has some kind of superpowers, even if it isn't quite, she might not be able to fly again. Right. Um, but that should be pretty fun. Uh, Will that create uh, potential for crossover episodes with the Flash universe? <laughs> oh, I mean, I guess it's not off the table. They haven't officially, I mean, we don't know that, I guess, you know, like San Francisco could still exist in a place with star city or you know gotham or any of the other places that my guess is it's not a part of the mm. same universe okay. well right. you know, know dan i don't know what do you, that know? you, you don't yeah you don't I'm just, know i'm just going off of logic but yes okay, I don't okay. Know. all right all right <laughs> Uh, so, oh, what else? Oh, oh, uh, Jalan didn't die. She got arrested. So technically mm. she's still out there. And 
um, the rich guy who's still, oh, oh, the, the rich son that she thought she killed isn't dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, but his dad, so, and his dad is still kind of like out there. Um, so that's like one thing that you find out. So whether they start going after Jalan, the one, what I like is that the show keeps teasing the possibility of like Nikki and Jalan having to work together. Mm -hmm. Um, so even when they're facing off, they often are put in situations where there's like a bigger threat coming for both of them. So, uh, that could all play out. Um, Ryan hooked up with one of the groomsmen. I don't know if that's really going to play into next season, but I'm still really happy about it. And, uh, all of that energy is now loose in the world. So, which is, it's trans, it's considered transformation energy. So it's the possibility for everything to change. Mm. It's not good or evil. It's very, it's very lovely. It also makes these really creepy flowers grow everywhere and you start seeing them in, in San Francisco. Oh, Interesting. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know exactly what's going to happen in, you know, the next season. If only we could get some hints on that, but I don't know how we would get that. Right. I mean, yeah. if we had a source and that would be helpful, yeah. obviously. It'd be but. really cool. Uh, but all in all, it was a very fun film. I hope there's more Evan. And oh, <gasps> also the stunt doubles. Oh, they yeah. Got, they got engaged. During the the, the, the the cast helped arrange the proposal and the finale where the 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 guy the stunt guy faked an injury and then used that opportunity to propose to his stunt uh, girlfriend. It was very sweet. It was very sweet. Also, you brought up Evan. He should still be around because that's the other thing I forgot to mention. Uh, mm-hmm. Rich guy. Mm-hmm. He uh, he figured out from all those files that rich guy has been buying up people and politicians and stuff in San Francisco. And mm. he doesn't know why, but he yeah, knows yeah. that his boss is one of the people on Russell Tant's payroll. So um, I think he's going to go rogue and it's going to be a whole... Well, I think he's going to leave the DA and, and do something else, but... Well, that, the, the pilot episode, it felt to me like the show was going to go more in that direction. And sort of like the corrupt politics and criminal uh, underground. And then it went into the weapons. Right. It's got more of the mysticism. But yeah, that's the curious thing. Like, I don't know now that the kind of Bianca energy is out in the open. Like, does that, is that the end of the mysticism? Or is it, is the show still going to find ways to balance both kind of being the the local crimes and, and things that need not a vigilante, but just somebody with a very strong moral code to come and like kick people in the face. Right. Uh, I don't know. I'm very curious. Same. Well, it sounds like there's a lot of exciting possibilities for, <laughs> for a second season of Kung Fu. Mm-hmm. And maybe yeah. more proposals, like say with Henry Shoulders. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Well, if that does happen, I'm sure Tori will talk about it next season on Kung Fu Corner. <laughs> I will. Um, all right. This week, weirdly, not not too many shows, although, you know, we say that and we're also, I mean, we also, what are we, 30 minutes into this episode-ish. Wow. We've wow. already uh, talked about a lot of shows we didn't yeah, plan on. So, but but the shows that we did plan on, uh, we, we will get to Ted Lasso. That will be the... the the ender, uh, end, 
end of the show. Uh, but before that, uh, wait, did did both of you watch Ultra City Smiths? Yes. I did. Okay. Oh, you watched that too, Tori? I went, yeah. I mean, just the first episode. Is that the only one that was up? I think they had two up. Oh. Oh, well. Okay, well, sorry. Well, I mean, the, with the first episode, you, you still get a, have a yeah. strong sense of what the show is. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe what it isn't, which is any other TV show. Coherent, yes. Um, <laughs> so it's the, it's the stop-motion animation show from Steve Conrad, uh, who created, or Stephen Conrad, who created uh, Patriot on Amazon and uh, uh, Perpetual, Perpetual Grace Wars. Limited on uh, epics and now he's created this show on amc plus so it's just on their streaming service right now um not on cable amc so those of us who are loyal to cable had to still go and uh sign up for a free week oh wow (laughs) um you do that for stephen conrad yeah uh but but man, this is this is a weird show. <laughs> I don't. It is unlike. I don't quite know how to describe it. Well, I was yeah, so. It's, it's weird. It's got some musical elements, and it's sort mm-hmm. of noirish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, they're selling it as a music musical noir puppet thing. Right. Yeah. It's creepy, but also funny, but also random. And, yeah, yes. and it has, it has kind of the same style of... Uh, his shows are, are kind of punctuated with... Everyone kind of sp- mostly speaks kind of quietly most of the time. Um, yeah. So it creates this it's really true. odd yeah. vibe. Um, even yeah. I mean, you know, people will yell sometimes or like when they're mad, but mo- right. most of the time they're, they're kind of... Yeah, they all sound a little sad. Um, hmm. Also, you just something about the first episode makes it very hard to tell what's going on. So you're basically dropped into this like seedy, not New York City that's clearly New York City, um, and you start meeting these characters that are all like it's a, a rookie cop from the sticks who has just moved to the city, uh, played by Jimmy Simpson, um, McPoyle. Uh, but then you get there's a girl who was supposed to be carrying a payload of money for I'm a, some kind of gangster or drug dealer, mm-hmm. something. Um, but she gets mugged on the way, and so she loses it. So now she owes this guy money, but she's like a 14-year-old girl. Her mom is called Andrea the Giant, who right. is a wrestler voiced by B.B. Newworth. <laughs> <laughs> bizarre. Very bizarre. And so she's supposed to help, except that her manager tells her that, like, this is actually that last fight is going to be her last one. She has to take a fall and, like, give up her title. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a rich guy who has apparently disappeared. He's been running for mayor, but then he, like, walked out of his building and, and disappeared. But you see him throughout the episode. But it's like the cops know he's disappeared. So they're like, maybe he's dead or maybe he isn't. We need to find him. And then you see him get shot at the end of the episode. So actually he hadn't been murdered the whole time. Right. And then he does get murdered. Um, And yeah, like there's a... Well, I think it's the second episode where it sort of comes together in that the Smiths are like seven uh, offspring of that guy who are all suspects in his murder. Okay. Yeah, so it turns out all all of the main adults we've been following, uh, or at least you know, 
most of them are are his kids. Okay. Um, but was okay. that an episode that only comes up in episode two? Is that right, Dustin? Yeah. I think so, okay. yeah. Episode one ends with him getting shot, and then you see a gun being lowered on a string. Oh, that's to right. the to the girl on the park bench. Right. Um, also, the city, all of the gangs are just like children in masks, yes. <laughs> which is great. The the baseball Bowies. <laughs> oh right, so they're all wearing uh, David Bowie masks, right? Yeah, and like the Nixons or whatever. My favorite was the. I, it needed more music, at least in the first episode. There was only one song, uh, but I loved it. It was terrible. Was that the Holmes uh, guy? Well, no, it was the detective in the park singing oh, with right. other yeah. people about all of his like addictions and like right. whatever. Um, but then after that, so he seems normal for most of the episode. But then after he does that song number, um, then he it's like he can't hold a conversation without dancing. <laughs> and they have the explanation that he like dances his demons away or whatever. But right. he's doing like Backstreet Boys dances, like it's a, it's like boy group dances. Right. Um. It's to keep himself from drinking, right? Or doing right, drugs. Yeah. But he's also addicted to limes. Right. <laughs> I don't really understand this show, but I'm oddly no, Stephen Conrad turned bubblegum into a sexual uh thing. Just like just made it up. Just like bubblegum now means a blowjob maybe or some sort of sexual act. Some pants thing. Yes. Right. Oh yeah, there's and then there's the guy who like doesn't have pants or sells right. his pants or he, yeah, he sold his pants in order to pay for a room. Yeah, street hustler boy. Yes, yeah. who sells back rubs. Yeah. And drinks uh, rain soup, <laughs> which is my favorite thing. Rain <laughs> soup. But seriously, like, I can't, I didn't, I wasn't even able to spot everybody. Like, the voice cast is amazing, but I couldn't always tell, like, when I was watching it, who was who yet. Right. But the voice cast, I mean, Jason Manzoukas, you can tell who that is. Right, right. Um, it's always Jason Manzoukas. Uh, Although he, he, at least in this one, doesn't look like Jason Manzoukas. No, but he does I mean, say, he I'm gross like right. at one point. And <laughs> yeah. I was like, yeah, that's that's a him line. Uh, Tim Meadows is in it. Mm-hmm. Le, uh, Luis Guzman. Julian Barrett from Mighty Boosh. Kristen Bell. Kristen uh, Bell is like a, a politician's wife who has like uh, a sex scandal. And he's up there at the podium... Uh, giving his like apology thing and has his wife by his side and she's like fuck you I'm off yeah and the politician <laughs> is Dak Shepard so oh yeah yeah right um, um, Tim Heidecker is the I guess current mayor mm-hmm. um, uh, Melissa Villasenor was the nun oh yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, Aaliyah Shawkat it was Little Grace the like fourteen year old girl mm-hmm. um, John C Riley. Uh, oh, I don't think it. it comes into episode two, but yeah. Yeah, and then Terry O'Quinn is like the captain, the police captain, I think. Um, and that's not even everyone. Like, it's right. it just keeps going on and on and on. I feel like <laughs> maybe, like, Stephen Conrad shows are just like, <clears throat> we love them and, like, character actors love them. And so, like, all the character actors want to be a part of them. I don't but I- really understand why otherwise they would agree to be in this incredibly weird, bizarre show. Yeah. I don't know what to make of it. I don't either. But, I mean, I, I really... I don't I don't think I love it, but I really enjoy watching it. Yeah, I want to see where it's going. 
But like, it's not really funny, but it's also not, I mean, it's, it's not typically dramatic. Like it's. Well, it's only six episodes too. So it's like short. And I've watched Right. Yeah. yeah. So why not? Yeah. It's mostly just weird. It's just yeah. weird. Um, but compelling. Yeah. yeah. Oh, speaking of six episode shows, just off topic, I did watch all of Schmigadoon last week with my family and oh my mm-hmm. God, it is wonderful. Oh, oh, did you have have screeners? Yeah, I did. Okay, wow. Sorry, sorry. The kids got into it and they're like, can we watch the next one? Can we watch the next one? Wait, hang on, hang on. So, and you don't like musicals. No, no, I don't. don't, Famously. I don't like cartoons. I think I'm okay with musicals. Are you? You didn't like, you didn't like Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist. Yeah. No, I, I. I would have liked it, but I didn't like their musical choices. Also, when we originally talked about Schmigadoon, you were like, I don't like musicals. I just like the way that Keegan-Michael Key no, is I uncomfortable with musicals. I didn't say I don't like musicals. I don't like 1940s musicals. Like mm-hmm. that particular music. I don't like the Brigadoon music, of that whole thing. But like, okay. like Rent. I love Rent. I love Hamilton. You know, whatever. I'm, I'm basic as hell, but whatever. <laughs> Okay, so I like I like I love Rent as a defense of your <laughs> musicals. I no, love musicals. No, I nothing, love Rent. There's nothing. No, there's nothing wrong with that. That it, it all it all it says is that you're of a certain age, which is fine. Yes. Um. But uh. Okay. So what was the turning point since you've seen the whole thing? Because uh, I'm assuming Tori, you're with me, where you've only seen the first. Yeah. Day. No, Dan, I haven't watched ahead on screeners yeah. that I don't yeah. have. Yeah. Mm. The, for uh, the for the plebs. Mm. I don't. Well, I. Mm. Uh, oh, the turning point was uh, the school marm. Is she in the third episode? I don't remember. Uh, mm. She's no, well, not really. Well, no, the second episode. How many episodes have we seen? We've seen three. Already? Okay. No, I think she she's like it. They're kind of teeing her up to be yeah. a big part. They of just maybe barely like, like point her out at the yeah. end of that episode. She becomes a a, a serious love interest, mm-hmm. and she is. Incredible. I don't remember who the actress is, but she is, she must be like phenomenal Broadway star or something. She was just like incredible, like one of the best performances I've ever, just blew me away. And that's also because they're also teeing up the doctor, the hot doctor. Yes. Right. Yes. And he was, he was good too. That whole, that whole um, arc made it work. So you're talking about Ariana DeBose? Um, she was in, uh, yeah, she's been in a bunch of stuff. She was in, uh, a lot of Broadway stuff. She was, she was was in Pippin. Uh, she was in, uh, wait, what? Oh, she was in the part of the ensemble for, uh, Hamilton before it went to Broadway. Um, That makes sense. So, so yeah, so she's a, she's a musical theater person. So, now, okay, I guess you can't tell us because it would be a spoiler, but do they find true love with these other people or do they figure out that they're in love with each other or do they just never leave the town? (laughs) I cannot tell you that. Okay, Mm. can you tell me how long it takes for Kristen Chenoweth to to sing? Her big musical number? Yeah. Yeah, and is it an amazing big musical number? I believe it's in the fifth episode and I will tell you that it's... It's a musical number that is not that great, but only Kristen Chenoweth can make it work. 
I mean, that's just true. It she can like, sell anything. Yeah, anybody else, it would have just fallen flat. But she made it work. It was like sort of a, a singy, rappy thing. Hmm. Oh. You mean like Hamilton? Well, no, well, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> sort of, but not in that style. I heard you really like Hamilton. Mm. I do. I do. You love you love musicals. Whatever. So you so I, you love Hamilton, yet you did not recognize uh, Ariana Debose, who uh, played the bullet she was in, in the Hamilton. Workshop. She, she was no, no, she was she was apparently also in the Broadway cast. I was just skimming the Wikipedia. Oh, I see. What she play in the Broadway cast? She's the she's the bullet. So she's the member of the oh. ensemble who like is the bullet that's like moving around. Okay, I'm not gonna know that. <laughs> I don't know. You claim to love Hamilton. No. So, you love big, big musical fan. <laughs> Whatever. I didn't say I was a big musical fan, but I just don't dislike musicals. I bet if I she was in, I bet if she was in musical, the series, the series. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, people. All right. So, All right. And I watched Glee. I mean, I watched Glee. <laughs> and you're a huge musical fan. Well, I wouldn't say huge. I do. I like incongruous musical numbers. I like when musical numbers pop up in things where you wouldn't expect them to. Um, um, like, sense. I like when things seem normal, but they also just happen to have a musical number. That explains why you like the, the number in Ultra City Smiths. Yeah, because it was not actually a good song, but I loved that it was there and I wanted more of those. Right. Yeah. I think I don't love that as much, which is why I did like Zoe's as much as Ben did. Also, mm. the choice of music was bad. Mm. Agree to agree that you're wrong. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. It's fine. You don't. Some people don't. Not everybody likes everything. Not everything's for everybody, and that's fine. Not uh, everybody likes feeling joy. Yeah. I. Um, <laughs> that is like the opposite of me. I don't know, man. You. <laughs> Damn it. Come on. <laughs> I watch shitty, sappy, sentimental crap all the time. I love rom coms. Mm-hmm. Yeah? What's your opinion on DuckTales? I don't know. Cartoon. <laughs> but you well, love Harley Quinn. It's Yes, I do. Because it's sweary and violent and not so violent. Yeah, if you want the heart heartwarming stuff, then it feels like DuckTales is right up your alley. Yeah. I feel like I get plenty of heartwarming from Ted Lasso. Oh, I oh. You know what? I, Dan does the segues around here. Don't don't try to well, Yeah, it. but that's that's fine. It's that a, was a, it was a good it's segue. segue. It was a good segue. We got to we had to give respect where it's due. Um Ted Lasso returned finally uh, for the uh, very uh, uh, anticipated season two, um, probably with impossible expectations. Yeah, <laughs> is my guess. Yeah. Um, oh, I, Dustin sounded. No, no, I thought it fulfilled those <laughs> impossible expectations. But mm. reading the comments on uh, our recap, there was a lot of people who. I mean, not a lot of people. There were a, a few people that were like, weren't huge fans. Hmm. There's going to be a backlash coming. I also feel like it's not fair. Cause I, so I think a, this is 
the trick that Ted Lasso is, this is kind of like the problem it's stuck in right now, which is so many people watched it, binged it. Right. Like so many people discovered it after hearing others talk about it. So they weren't stuck in the weekly viewing schedule. Right. They like when they got around to finally seeing if all the hype was real, all the episodes were up and they could just watch it back to back to back. I think it's going to be, if you take any individual episode of, of Ted Lasso, no matter how good they are, if you have to just look at it in isolation and not see the arc of the whole season and how those relationships shift and things like that, it never feels like enough. Right. So yeah, like watching it, I was kind of like, I could I could understand except that I think that within those limitations of things that are, I mean, it's just the way the show works. It's not actually, you know. Right. I, I could understand like wanting more from some of it. Yeah, and it was it was interesting because I, I had a I had some thoughts too of like oh how much am I enjoying this episode like compared to kind of like some of the highlights of of the first season. Right. Um, but one thing yeah. that well one thing that they did really well was um, at least to me was that in the in the first few minutes they kind of encapsulate like where everyone is and like the happy status quo like even with like the uh the tragic loss of earl the greyhound uh (laughs) they did uh you know it it gives us like right away a classic ted moment of like giving a nice speech and like saying the the right thing at the right time kind of thing right um so you have all of that set up just to show kind of like you know everything everything seems to be running about as smoothly as possible except for for uh danny rojas and then uh and then you know and then then the problems start to pile on. Right. Um, the, and so that, that was really good. Also, uh, Roy, basically everything with Roy was amazing. amazing. Oh my God. Yeah. Roy is it, that Roy is the one where I'm like, I don't even need a character arc from him. It's like, I feel like somehow the gap between season one and season two, he has achieved his perfect form. Mm-hmm. And I just want him to continue existing exactly like this. Right. Forever. Uh, him yelling at, small children was amazing uh Uh, the fact that he he like praises that one little girl in particular for like i don't know hitting her head and then she says like you know it coach yeah (laughs) like (laughs) so proud that like she injured herself and gave herself a concussion uh his uh his speech to uh to To uh, rebecca rebecca was great so good um yeah, him doing the like cut away all the bullshit like pep right. talk of like you deserve someone who's more than fine. Right. Ugh. Yeah. And so that's it. I think like the episode had to do a lot to catch you up on where everyone is. Mm-hmm. And I think there are a lot of expectations because we got to sit through a whole season with these characters and we know what they're capable of. Right. Um so the fact that, you know, it you know, it didn't feel like as much happened this episode because it is setting up for the it's catching you up and setting up for the season so it's like okay well we know they're stuck in this grind where the team is tied they just keep tying matches they so they're kind of they need something to move the needle for them right Um, and they bring in they introduce this sports therapist to help danny but she also starts helping all the other players Mm -hmm. and that makes ted uncomfortable um, whether it's... there was some there was some weird well I thought in the comments there was some difference of opinion when he went up there and she was seeing all the other players 
some people, well, not some people, a couple of people thought that he was upset because he wanted to see her too. That was but not what that was at all. I didn't think so. Either. Yeah, I, I didn't. Was... I didn't get that read. Yeah, no, that wasn't it. Um, no, he was upset because he was realizing that his players were relying on someone else rather mm-hmm. than him, and so it it reveals a, a shortcoming of his own, uh, which is going to make him reflect. And right. also the fact that he's uncomfortable with therapists and frankly desperately needs one. Like I, you know, it's kind of that thing of like I can I already can see the conflict that they're setting up, and I am going to be so happy when he finally just has a really good session with her. Right. <laughs> like yes, mental health, please go go see this therapist. Um so yeah, they're they're queuing up that. Rebecca was dating someone, but yeah, he kind of he was fine. He just he wasn't great and Roy mm. Roy called it and so she'll she broke up with him and and we'll see what happens with her love life from there. Mm-hmm. Uh but I mean there there wasn't a whole lot of time. Oh, oh. And then the the big thing that happened at the end of the episode which was that uh you you find out that Roy has continued with his yoga grannies, which is mm-hmm. just delightful. And mm-hmm. so after they do their session, they watch reality TV and drink rosé together. And Keely is fine with this and supportive and lets him do his thing with the old ladies who have no idea who he is or that he's into soccer. But on the reality show that they're watching that night, uh, which is some trashy dating thing. where Definitely like is... a Love Island-esque oh, kind of yeah. show. Yeah. Uh, guess who shows up? Jamie fucking Tart. Mm-hmm. So Roy is now staring at the TV with his blood pressure rising, and all these grannies are like, "Oh, he's so cute!" <laughs> and he has, yeah. So that's going to be a whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple of the things that I really liked uh, was just just to go back to the therapist for a second, um, Doctor, not Doc uh, Fieldstone. Yes. Uh, the uh, I thought the the actress her name Sarah Niles. I don't know her from anything, but she was. Uh, I thought she was great, and like the way that she's like so kind of eerily calm, and like yeah. uh, I don't know, you just believe her in in a way that's like unsettling. Um, uh, that which I think is tracks with kind of like what Ted and uh, and the other coaches are kind of feeling with her. You know that she's so capable that you know they don't quite know what to uh, you know they don't know how to react to her. I think at least at right. first. Um, it's a, it's a, it's an uncomfortable storyline. I feel like because she's gonna any any issues that people have had with with Ted Lasso so far, like that have propped up in, with the backlash. I feel like that she's going to call all of those things out about him, mm-hmm. and I don't like it because <laughs> I don't want people <laughs> to call out Ted Lasso. But that's also the but point. it's going to be yeah how he grows. Yeah, and, and I, I think all of that is a point. A lot of the backlash that Ted Lasso, the show, has received has been people misinterpreting Ted Lasso, the character, as mm-hmm. being um, this aspirational figure. And it's like, I think the show is very like wholesome and it's promoting maturity and stuff like that. But the show also is reflecting on the fact that his brand of, of optimism, as much as it may be great for a sports team, it's not, it's also not always in every scenario, a healthy way to live. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's part of it. Like people get annoyed with the show because they think the character is the show. 
Right. And that's not it. I think the show is actually also critical of Ted in its own way, in the way it pushes him to show and it shows uh, to grow and shows depth. And, and there are times when his kind of folksy charm, as much as it's entertaining, um, is a weakness for him. Mm-hmm. And I think that I actually think this is very smart. Like, I think they should be calling that out because it's clearly like there are people who don't get it. So we're going to introduce this therapist who makes it explicit that his way of coping, while it's it can be great for, you know, it's important for the team. It's not I mean, that's what broke up his marriage. Mm -hmm. It's not always great for his life. Um, And I, I think that the therapist will will help call that out. Yeah. I agree. I just feel very protective. Of You're very protective. Of and there, there's there's one other thing that I wanted to point out, which I, I don't remember where this... It's definitely from an interview with Bill Lawrence that I watched at some point in between season one and season two. But uh, he, he said something kind of almost like in an offhand comment that um, Jason Sudeikis likes to... his He, he did this trick in season one where uh, the camera starts on Rebecca and so the implication is that secretly it's her arc yeah um, and this year it started on Nate so ah, if it's yeah. true then that means that, that his arc is kind of secretly the the season arc uh, I would love that Nate yeah. is wonderful also Nate yeah he was having some issues he's like he's like feeling a little bit like it looks like he's he's picking up a couple bad habits of like trying to figure out how to be an authority figure. Yeah. And doesn't know how to do it. Taking it out on the new ball boy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I love Nate. He's one of my favorites. They're all my favorites. <laughs> They're all my favorites. Um, one thing that I do think is interesting, though, is like, so in the PR push for the new season, there were so many, there was just so many articles and stories, and, and I believe them, but it's basically being like, no, Jason Sudeikis really is Ted Lasso. Like, he is that kind of philosophical, optimistic, like just, just nice guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I do worry cause like when you hinge so much of the show on the reality of the actor, like if any, you know, it's not even about the backlash of the show, but it's like, if there's any backlash against Sudeikis, if there's any like negative story that comes out, that's going to sink the show. Yeah. I mean, you right. know, like they're, they're now that you've made them so linked and it's a beautiful story right now when the show is coming off of 20 Emmy nominations and breaking records and, you know, and you, you want to believe this, like this show got us through a pandemic right. and, it, and it really is as good as everyone says, right. you know, like I want to believe that Ted is real or that, you know, Jason is, you know, that basically good. But all I can think is like, God damn. Like, it will just take one bad story, mm-hmm. and you could topple the whole show. Right. If it's you know, one bad story about Jason Sudeikis. Right. So. His ex-wife but, wrote, wait, she directed Blockers. Oh, Blockers was so good. And whenever I think about him and his ex-wife, and Olivia Wilde, I think, oh, maybe he was smothering and overly optimistic and... Yeah. Did exactly what he did to his wife in this show. Just too nice. Too yeah. genuine. 
Well, no pressure on the show or on Jason <laughs> Sudeikis, clearly. So. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's uh, that seems like a seems like we've reached our our natural end. Um, Probably, I, I would say I would not want to date a Ted Lasso. <laughs> Good to know. Like, no, no, I just think that personality type. Would you want right. to date that 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 kind of person? It would be too much. So I think it's also hard. I mean, so how long have you been married? Mm, a long time. 15, 16 years. So the last time you were dating, you were how old? Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> 29, 28. Right. Yeah. So nobody in their mid to late 20s wants to date a Ted Lasso. Mm-hmm. If you're talking about people in their mid 30s, their 40s, like once you've been through the ringer with dating and you're a little older and you start <laughs> valuing stability and maturity and somebody who knows how to apologize and, and take an apology and communicate. No, I appreciate that part. I just think yeah. it's like constant pep talks. Mm. You mean like the, like the, the positivity. Yeah. yeah you don't as, want to coach. Right. But I would still take a Ted Lasso coach over the kind of coach that just like yells at oh, you. Yeah, definitely. As a coach, <laughs> there are worse <laughs> coaches. Like right. he's the perfect best friend. I just don't. Dustin I... is much more interested in a coach beard type. It definitely. I mean, every, everyone is. <laughs> right. Well, I think everyone was season one. Mm-hmm. Roy Kent is kind of the. <sighs> the ideal like I want someone who's very touching and honest and also will just swear at me Hmm. (laughs) that's also quite a beard it was the per oh my god his retirement beard is the perfect beard like it's not too long but it's Mm -hmm. full it's just oh oh wait I have a question actually before we stop uh so they referenced a couple times his retirement speech and, like, he was embarrassed by it, but other people seemed to enjoy it for various reasons. Right. Uh, what do you think it was, and do you think we'll get to see it? I do think we'll get to see it. Like, do you think yeah. he cried? Do you think it was, like, I don't think too he heartfelt? Uh, did he, like, uh, it doesn't sound like something where, like, he punched somebody or... No, I think no. he was trying to be heartfelt and probably stumbled all over his... Yeah. And that meant it was sincere. Mm. Like, people probably read his sincerity. I wonder how much he swore during it. <laughs> um, they have to show. Yeah, I feel like they'll... Right. But do you think he'll ever, like... I know Keeley says she's not going to try to get him to take the sports commentator mm-hmm. job anymore. But do you think he might... I just can't see him doing that. Some, I, mean, you know, I mean, where else is he going to go? I don't, I don't know that it's sports commentary exactly, but I feel like he's going to, if he takes that, it'll be for the wrong reason, and then he'll end up in the place that he should be, whatever that is. Um, I also feel like the, the wrong reason, they would, they've already resolved that by her kind of realizing she shouldn't be pushing him, so the mm-hmm. wrong reason is gone. Well, then may, maybe it's some version of, maybe it's kicking off of the... Uh, the seeing Jamie on the reality show, like he go, like not him going also going on a reality show, but some equivalent moderately embarrassing move. Oh, like so that. I don't think it'll be that. I have a, I, so that would be amazing if he did something really embarrassing <laughs> to try, right? Um, I'm more wondering if 
like he'll stick with the coaching. There isn't room for him to coach with Lasso. Mm-hmm. What if he starts coaching for Jamie Tart's team? Oh, Ooh. that would be great. Yeah. That would be really good. Because he can't do the commentator thing, cause, and that this is what the episode proved. He swears too much. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's good. Him becoming a coach for, so I guess that would be Man- Manchester City. Um, yeah. That would be really good. And then they have to face off in season three. Oh, it'd be so sad. But it also means that he would have to, he would probably be, like, going back to Ted Lasso for tips mm-hmm. and, like, asking for you know help in his very gruff way right yeah mm. oh that's a good setup that's really good yeah but I feel like I would I would, I would boot Roy in that finale weirdly because Ted Lasso would take the loss better he would <gasps> I... still get the moral victory somehow no, but I don't... So, I think that's the one thing, is we know is so... What, they're booked for three seasons? hmm Yeah. So, we know, basically, the finale, like... Ted Lasso can't lose. Like, he... I mean, he lost in the first season. So, now mm-hmm. they're going to have to play through, unless the it's not, like, a big playoff game in the finale, unless they do it earlier. Right. But, like, he, they have to get the team relegated back up. Right? Right. 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 That's this season. And but that's things that, like, that. that's why they, they do... They, so they have to win this season. They have to win this season, but they shouldn't be playing Man City because Man City won right. last well, season. City's, so they're not in this... Well, Man City's in the upper division. So. They're in the upper division, so there yeah. shouldn't be a conflict between Roy and Ted. Right. But next season there would be. Yeah. Next season there would be. Yeah. Unless maybe after, you know, whatever happens with Man City... Um, Maybe Roy goes back to, or maybe Jamie goes back to, mm. um, Ted's team. I don't know. I what don't if know. Roy and Nate are on Man, are coaching Man City? I feel like Beard's the one that's got to go. You think no. so? How, I feel like Beard. Beard just Ted is always going to be there. Without Beard. No, he can't. <laughs> also, nobody, no other team is going to hire another American. Who, mm-hmm. No. Even though he does know what he's doing. He actually does know what he's doing, but... No. I don't know. We could be looking at Friday Night Lights Season 3 kind of ending, Dustin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Which Tori doesn't understand, but can probably guess based on context clues. I don't know. This is Season 2. There could be a murder. Oh, true. We have not yet seen (laughs) a murder or a shark DNA subplot. Oh my god, I forgot about that. <laughs> the shark stem cells or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh. What's the Mexico that they could drive to? Like, um, I guess huh. here in Europe you can go anywhere. They could probably drive to Amsterdam if they wanted. Mm-hmm. Where do they dump their bodies in the UK? I don't know. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. Isn't there some? There's one um, part of the coast where there's a bunch of uh, like <laughs> bombs that sunk, and they periodically go off. Oh, I don't know. This? No, I mean yeah. that wouldn't surprise me, but no. Yeah, there's just there's this section of the coastline where there's uh, I forget if it was like 
warships that all like sank but they all had like warheads on them and so and this was like dating back to i think like world war ii or something like that um and so they've just been down there mm -hmm. and it becomes like it's a whole thing because they periodically will just go off or like they have to make sure that boats don't go by because they eat the boat could hit one right and so it's this like treacherous area of these like yeah bombs that are just sitting in the water <laughs> like, and so that's where roy takes jamie on a boat trip to oh yeah dump him in the water yep there you go that'd be a very different show i mean they could yeah they could friday night season friday night light season two it <laughs> Uh, well, if if they do that, we'll definitely talk about it. Uh, just we talk about things every every week. Uh, That's right. And, and week. now and now, well, and well, Dustin, you're letting me. I'm trying to get to the big finish here, which is next week is episode 100. So we will have done this with a couple of you know side episodes uh, for 100 weeks. So congratulations, and you're welcome. And uh, we did it. two years. We made it, yeah. Um, so, we, we'll have a little bit of a, a thing about it, but other than that, I'm sure we'll talk Ted Lasso and other stuff. Uh, but yeah, is, do you guys have anything else? Or we'll talk Kevin, Kevin. Oh yeah, we'll talk uh, Kevin can talk himself. Because um, that will be done, and that's it, More I guess. Turner and Hooch, of course. Oh, sure. No. Uh, <laughs> uh, in the meantime, have a good night. <laughs> good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. Is the dog cute, though? I mean, it looks like the dog in Turner and the movie. Same kind of dog. That's Slobbers okay. a lot. I don't like it because the slobber makes me uncomfortable. Aw. <laughs> I bet it's cute. <laughs>